craziness into God's Word. Anybody excited to hear what God has to say to us this morning? Before we do, I just want to one more time remind you, if you are visiting us for the first time today or you've never filled out a Connect card, please take some time to fill that out today so we can get to know you. Also today, following our gathering is Fountain Connect. And so anyone who's never been to Fountain Connect, we would love to invite you to stay for a few extra minutes afterwards today. It's going to be taking place in the community spot, which is just right across the lobby this way. And you'll have a chance to meet me. And uh, Pastor Nadia is going to be in there with me today. And we would love to just to get to know you, hear your story a little bit, tell you a little bit about the church. The second thing is this. Everybody, grab your Go Deep guide and wave it at me if you've got it. Okay, we want you to follow along, take notes on that first page, take this home, make it a part of your daily devotions. And if you're here and you need one, would you just raise your hand real high? Okay, Ruth needs one. A few people over here, a few people in the front. Awesome. So let's make sure those are getting passed out. You guys are doing such an awesome job. Let's give it up for our ushers and our table hosts that are always helping out. You guys rock. All right. So let's recap real quickly. Uh, One of the things that I talked about last week was how we treat Christmas as a modern holy day. And throughout the Old Testament, uh, God created these holy days uh, for the Israelites to practice so that they do not forget. Because how many of you know that as human beings, we need to be reminded of things constantly? How many parents are in the room? And you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? We need to constantly remind our kids over and over again because they so quickly forget. And what happens when we forget? We drift off course. And if we're not careful, eventually, uh, it's like walking around with our eyes closed. We're going to find ourselves completely lost. And a holy day and the way that Christmas is originally designed is to be a time that is all about the lost being found again. And for those that aren't lost to stay found, right? To remind us of the things that we're to cling to so that we don't wander off. You might find yourself this morning feeling completely lost. Maybe, maybe you don't even know what half of this stuff is that we're talking about. Maybe to you, Christmas has always just been about the presents and the Christmas trees and the time with family. But today, God wants to reveal to you that there's so much more to it beneath the surface. Maybe there's some of you that you truly do know what Christmas is all about, but you found yourself getting caught up in the hustle and the bustle of it all, and you're kind of losing your way. Today is an opportunity for you to connect with what God really wants you to know today as you take a closer look at Christmas. And so we, have, we are on week two of this series called The Grinch Within. And you'll see over here, we have this lovely living room set that reminds us of Christmas at home with the family, with this Christmas tree. And underneath the tree are these presents labeled with some of the fruits of the Spirit that God gives us when we come to Him in faith and we receive Him, we receive salvation through Him. And Christmas season was meant to remind us of these gifts that God gives us through His Spirit, gifts of hope, joy, peace, and love. And this morning, we focus on joy. When we take time to consider the birth of Jesus, we're reminded that we have a reason to celebrate, a reason to rejoice. Did you guys catch the theme of rejoicing today? But sometimes life happens, right? It can be a tragic loss, a betrayal of a friend or a spouse, or just maybe it's a series of disappointments, one built upon another. It can quickly begin to distract us from the joy that we've been given. So as a result, there's this grinch of bitterness or hopelessness that can rise up within us. And the Grinch has one goal, right? And that's to steal our presents, to steal our gifts. And so he wants to steal our joy. What's going on? What are you guys looking at? Hey! All right. I know how to deal with you. Now, hold on, hold on. Now, I know he's going to try to steal that joy, right? We're not going to let him, right? But last week, you remember what I did, right? 
I beat him with this bat and chased him off the stage. But you know what? Don't you wish it was that easy sometimes? That all you had to do to get rid of your bitterness or your sorrow was just to physically beat it? How many of you know this, though, that sometimes the best way to chase away the Grinch of sorrow is through rejoicing? Sometimes our best weapon is a melody. So you guys are going to help me put a stop to this thievery this morning by standing up because we all know that the Grinch hates singing, right? So we're going to sing and let him know that he can't take our joy. Are you ready? So we're going to put the lyrics up on the screen for joy to the world and we're going to sing this together. Ready? Here we go. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Louder, everybody. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. It worked. Isn't that awesome? Give yourselves a hand. That was beautiful. You did a great job. You did a great job. Lots of fun. Today we're going to be spending a little bit of time talking about the power of rejoicing. One of the most common ways that we can rejoice is through song. But we're going to talk about three ways that we rejoice that will overcome the Grinch of sorrow, the Grinch of bitterness today. And so before we do that, we're going to bring it to you guys at your tables. And I want you to discuss this. I'd like you to share a time when you went through a season of bitterness or sorrow or maybe even depression. And did the principle of rejoicing have anything to do with you getting through that? If so, could you tell us some more? So let's just talk about how maybe God has used the principle of rejoicing to get you through some of the lowest times in your life. It's testimony time, okay? So let's talk about it about our tables, and then we'll get into the word. All right, all right. Hope you guys had a great discussion. We got a very young table where I'm sitting, so I heard some very interesting answers. I'll have to share them at another time. Um, so this morning, we're continuing our series. And so last week we talked about hope, which is a focus of the Advent season. Um, and we talked about hope. And this week we're talking about joy and specifically the power of rejoicing. And as you know, last week I introduced just a snippet of a song that I wrote to kind of uh, explain some of these principles, right? And so the first song only included the first verse. Today it's going to include the second verse. And you're going to hear the full version of it next week, okay? So hopefully you won't get tired of it by then. But are you guys ready to hear the second verse? So you're going to hear the first verse and the second verse, okay? So go ahead and start it up, guys. You're a bleak one, drenched within. You're the hopelessness I feel. When I'm overwhelmed by sadness and it feels I'll never heal Grinch within And when I need a hand you offer A hook and a reel You're a monger Grinch within Your fear creates a hole you fill my brain with lies and my hope you broke and stole Grinch with me But Jesus restored it, fulfilling a prophecy over 4,000 years old You're a vile one, Grinch within You keep me sulking for a while you have all my dreadful memories set to repeat on the dial, Grinch with me. I'm given a choice of what to listen to, so why do I even let you touch the dial? You're a sour one, Grinch within. You're a draining, complaining punk. 
you whisper lots of nasty thoughts and fill my mind with junk Grinch within. But the three words I'll use to overcome you are as follows, and I quote, sing, thank, jump. Thank you very much. That's what we're going to learn about this morning. We're going to learn how to defeat the Grinch of bitterness through rejoicing. Turn to your neighbor and say, rejoice! rejoice. But you got to say it like it's a demand, like rejoice! rejoice, right? Because interestingly enough, Paul gives us a command to rejoice. Check this out in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice! And I've always found that very uh, interesting and peculiar, that someone would command you to do something that we've probably been brought up our whole life thinking is something that you can't choose, but something that just happens to you, right? You rejoice. It's like somebody is like really upset, and you're like, I'm going to cheer them up. Hey, you, rejoice! Not super effective, right? Because we're thinking that joy is a feeling. But what Paul is saying here is he's saying, be full of the joy of the Lord. And he says, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Sometimes we rejoice because something amazing has happened to us, right? But did you know that sometimes we rejoice so that we can be full of joy? We can be empty and we can rejoice and God fills us with joy. It's easy to rejoice when something amazing happens to us. But if you want to unlock the full power of joy in your life, when it becomes an ongoing practice, that's when you unlock the power of it. This is what I believe it was for Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we turn to this part of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 through 19. And at the end of this passage, there's something that really jumps out to me. We'll see if it jumps out to you. You ready? It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. I feel like I should say this like that Charlie Brown Christmas, right? But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to those uh, with whom God is pleased. Can we just stop for a moment and imagine that? When we go to see a fireworks show on the 4th of July, we're simply watching explosions in the sky and everybody goes, ooh, ah. And these shepherds who've never seen fireworks see angels appear out of nowhere and there's bright lights and they're singing in the heavens. How incredible is that? It goes on to say, when the angels um, had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Another translation says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. See, that Greek word means to preserve or to keep safe, to keep in mind, to keep close. There are those precious memories that you not only recall now and then, but you hold to them dearly and you reflect on them often. Why? Because they bring you joy. 
You know, if you possess the right knowledge in any situation, you can have joy. Here's a cheesy example. I remember one time waking up early for an 8 a.m. class, and if you ever went to college, you dread those 8 a.m. classes. And it was right after winter break, and in Waxahachie, Texas, the air is freezing cold, and I just got out of the hot shower, and I open up the door, and my face is met with the icy winds, and it just felt like knives on my face, and I'm on my way to my class when suddenly it dawns on me. I have an exam that I didn't prepare for. And my brisk walk to class turned into a slow drudging with my shoulders hunched over and me thinking my life is over because how many of you know when you're in college, when you fail, you have to pay to repeat the course. And so I'm feeling the pressure and um, I go into the building and it was on the second floor and I walk up the stairs and it's like the last walk, right? On death row. And I walk up and I get to the door of the classroom and there's a crowd of students standing outside and there was a, a halo glowing around a note that had been taped to the door that said, Professor so-and-so is sick and class is canceled today. We'll have the test next week. And all of a sudden, I am overwhelmed with joy and I just begin to rejoice and say, God, thank you so much. I feel like you did that just for me. I promise I'll be prepared next time. I'm so happy. And just that little bit of knowledge completely changed my attitude and gave me joy in that moment. I had wished that I had had that knowledge prior, right? So that I could wake up with no guilt, no regret, no dread. Knowledge is very, very powerful. And so I want to give to you three ways this morning to rejoice in specific ways that will chase off that Grinch of sorrow, that will chase off that Grinch of bitterness in your life. And the first is this, to meditate. Now, some of you, when I say meditate, you get a little creeped out, right? Because you're thinking like, oh, right? Something like that. And you're like, this is weird. Joe's getting new agey and crazy. But meditation is a very, very biblical word. Meditation is simply taking the knowledge of God's truth and choosing to dwell on it. Here's what the Expositor's Greek Testament says about Mary in the context of this story. Check this out. This is awesome. It says, all wondered, but Mary thought on all the wonderful things that had happened to herself and to the shepherds, keeping them well in mind and putting them together. You know what that means? Like seeing how they fit. How does this all make sense? What might this mean? So as to see what they all meant, the wonder of the many was a transient fleeting emotion. You guys experienced that before, right? Like, wow, that was cool. And then an hour later, you forgot all about it. Sometimes that's church, right? <laughs> what a great message. An hour later, what do you talk about again? But this recollecting and brooding of Mary was an abiding habit. I love that an abiding habit. This meditation, this rejoicing was an abiding habit in Mary's life. And so what this means is she intentionally and regularly ran through these wonderful events in her mind in order to understand them and to make sure she never forgot their significance. So can you imagine being her? I mean, this woman had just been through labor. It was a, it was a rough journey through for her. And, and, and I'm sure there had to be times that she's human where she's questioning what this all means. And like, did I really see that angel? Um, did he really tell me that this was going to be the savior of the world? Now, all of a sudden, testimony comes from complete strangers that are just describing this incredible spectacle of the heavens to her. Can you imagine being in the shoes of Mary and just being like, wow, who is this child that I have given birth to? And she's just overwhelmed with it. But we keep the Grinch of bitterness at bay by treasuring and thinking often of the gift of God and its significance for our life. You know, the truth is we all meditate. The problem is we're not always meditating on the right things. 
What are you meditating on this morning? You've all met the person who can be the negative Nancy, right? They start to make a list of everything that's wrong, and then it leads to more, to more, and then they're actually reminding themselves of other things through their complaining, right? They were just upset about one thing, but then they start making a list, and it goes on and on and on, and starts snowballing. Next thing you know, the person is overwhelmed, and they're about to lose it. Well, when we choose to meditate on the truth of God, the opposite happens. It's kind of like this. You know how in the past, we've talked about this recently, I've called that snowballing, right? Where you just start counting everything that's wrong. Instead of counting your blessings, you're counting everything that's wrong. And what happens is it gains speed and momentum and that snowball just becomes too big to stop. Well, rejoicing is something miraculous. Rejoicing is pushing that snowball up the hill. And as it grows bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, you overcome that steep drop and slope of negativity in your life. Here's the deal. Mary, if you stop to think about her context, had every reason to allow her brain to run away with negativity. Added up all the strange, inconvenient, and terrifying things that were happening to her in this moment. You know, Mary received very, very good news when that angel visited her, right? He said that she was blessed, that she was going to be the mother of the Savior, right? She was chosen. She'd found favor in God, right? She's overwhelmed with that. But let's not breeze over the fact that Mary's good news came with some baggage. For she would be stepping into a season where she would be known as the pregnant, unwed teenager, now, I know we have some high school students in here today. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you probably know that girl in your high school that's walking around and she's going to chemistry with a baby bump, right? And, and you know that she gets an extra long glance, an extra long look. And I'm sure that's difficult for that young lady to deal with, right? All my classmates are looking at me like I am some sort of unicorn, right? Because I'm walking around obviously pregnant. And so she had to deal with that. She had to deal with the fear of death because what this looked like was that she had committed a sin punishable by death. Not only that, but because Joseph was a good man, she thought that he was going to divorce her. And so she's facing all these things. And finally, I got to imagine that there were rumors and whispers about what really was going on. And at the worst probably moment in her life up until the cross, there's a mad king hunting them down that wants to murder her child. I mean, this is a lot of baggage that comes along with this blessing. See, both Mary and the shepherds experienced the gift of Jesus on different levels, but the reality of it had a deeper, more profound and ongoing impact on Mary. Not simply because her experience was unique to anyone else, because it absolutely was, but also because of what she did with the knowledge. What would she do with that? How would she respond to it? See, God moves in powerful ways that cannot be denied, but the full power of his presence is realized based on how we respond to it. We cannot capture the fullness of joy that accompanies the gift of Christ if all we do is experience the wonder and magic of Christmas. If we get caught up with the songs and the wrapping paper and all the plans and all the food, man, we must, like Mary, treasure Jesus and what he gave. And it needs to become an abiding habit in our life. And if we fail to do that this season, then the joy of Christmas will pass us by once again. Here's why I'm so passionate about this. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting through Christmas. Whoo, Christmas is over, we made it, we're still alive. But I want to fully appreciate all that God has given me so that I can receive the joy it was intended to bring. What a tragedy that we would miss it. At this stage in my life, I don't wanna miss it anymore. Can you imagine Someone throwing a birthday party for you. But as the plans begin to mount, they become very aggravated and they start complaining about it. I've got so much to do and not enough time and this is such a 
pain. I wish we could just fast forward to the end of it. And then um, all of a sudden uh, the party happens and they're like, I am so glad that's over. How does that make you feel as the birthday boy or the birthday girl? And this, I'm afraid, is how we treat Christmas. It's like this big inconvenience, and we might experience little moments of joy, but, but we get so caught up as being Martha in the kitchen that we forget to sit at the feet of Jesus, or in this case, to kneel at the manger. I think we do this when it comes to Christmas, and I think if I'm honest, I picture Jesus in heaven looking at some of the attitudes that he witnesses during the season, and I feel like he just wants to be like, you know what? Don't even bother. That's what you would tell that person, right? That planned your birthday. You know what? Next year, don't worry about it, right? I'm afraid that sometimes that's God looking at us and be like, you know what? You don't get it. You think it's about saving up enough money to give everybody the perfect gift. You think it's about beautiful wrapping paper and decorations. You think it's about the food. You think it's about everything going right. You know what, just don't even bother because I came to bring you so much more than that. So secondly, so first we learned to meditate. Number two, I wanna talk about singing. We did that a little bit. It chased the Grinch away. Um, and that's not just because I was singing off key, right? but it was the rejoicing that chases away the Grinch of bitterness and sorrow. And so we sing. So this is what Mary did. Um, soon after finding out that she was pregnant, she goes and she visits um, Elizabeth and, um, and then she busts out in this song. And I wanna read this to you today. This is found in Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 45. And listen to Mary's song of praise and how one thankful thought leads to another just like that snowball effect. Check this out. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Do you see her like giving this revelation of the significance of what has happened to her? And it's as she is bursting out in song, I believe that this was a prophetic song. And so the words are coming to her in the moment. It doesn't say, and then Mary shared the song that she had written. But this was spontaneous worship. And so it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and something that was revealed. Have you ever been in that situation where you are praying or maybe you're sharing the gospel with somebody else and you're like, wow, that's really good. I need to write that down because you are testifying to yourself. You are teaching yourself. It happens sometimes when I'm preaching a sermon. I'm like, dude, I didn't have that in my notes. That's powerful, I needed to hear that. And it's simply because the Holy Spirit is flowing through, and the Holy Spirit is flowing through her, and she's noticing something very important here. She's, she's noticing that the birth of Christ is a reminder that she should rejoice in the fact that even when he seems far away, even when she is the result of generation after generation that lived through the 400 years of silence, that he's near. She said, he sees me. He took notice of this lowly, I'm just an average, poor teenage girl, and he chose me. Every time you hear somebody say, Merry Christmas this season, can we stop and be reminded that he sees us? Let, let, the, let those two words, Merry Christmas, remind us, hey, he sees you. He sees you this season. Mary rejoiced because she recognized the generational impact. She says, um, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Let me tell you this, church, if you remain rooted and clinging to the joy that he gives, the impact will affect your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. And I believe that's what the church is supposed to be like, that God wants us to have a joy like that that is transformational and generational, that we would leave a legacy of joy for the generations to come. In verse 49, she says, for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. 
He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. I love this because what she's acknowledging here in this prophetic song is she's rejoicing in God's work at restoring justice to a very unjust world. Setting things right, flipping things on their head. Now it's not just the rich people oppressing the poor, but he's elevating the poor and he's, and he's bringing, uh, bringing the rich back down to earth. He's, he's taking the injustice of the world and he's fixing it. Now, here's the deal. We can look at the world today and we know that God's work is not finished, amen? That there is not justice each and every way you look. But I'll tell you this. One thing that is for certain is that any significant progress that any nation has made has come directly from the result of biblical principles that Jesus has established or reestablished and reaffirmed in our culture. And let me tell you this, one day, as we talked about last week, he's coming back. And when he does, it says he's going to make all things right. There's not going to be anything left that's unfair. There's not going to be anything that remains that causes pain. It says there will be no more weeping or crying or pain. Hunger and thirst is gone. He's taken everything that was wrong, and he's going to make it right. And this is all being revealed to Mary as she begins to meditate and to sing and rejoice. He says, he has, or she says, he has filled the, uh, the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. We talked about this last week too. God keeps his promises. Christmas reminds us that we can trust him to keep his word. And as she began to sing these truths, joy began to uh, rise up within her. And this was so much more than just an emotional experience. But we're told in verse 19 that she treasured these things in her heart. They became an abiding habit. We know that because it says she thought about them often. Not just whenever something good happened, but thought about them often. And I think that Mary, when she was in her darkest moments, may have gone back to this song. She may have begun to meditate again on the shepherds and the testimony that they shared, the way that God provided a place for the birth to take place, and, and all the things that she witnessed being the, the mother of Jesus. See, the rejoice principle is so powerful, but it gets even better in this fact, that we don't have to rejoice alone. Number three is this, fellowship. We rejoice in, through fellowship. We rejoice in community. I'd like to invite the worship team to come as we make this final point. Turn with me or follow on the screens with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. There's something very incredible in these two short verses here. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. What word am I trying to emphasize there? With. Sometimes God's word is so multi-layered and so deep that we have to make sure that we don't just focus on the verbs and the nouns. I don't even know how you identify with. What is that? A, you know, a conjunction, a participle. I don't know English that well, right? But it's one of those words that we don't pay attention to, but it's repeated three times in this verse and a half here because it's emphasizing that there's power in community. And when it comes to rejoicing, the Bible makes a direct correlation between joy and community. You've heard me share this before, but um, it was... Uh, mentioned in a sermon I saw long ago, it's a mathematical equation, and it goes like this, me equals misery, others equals joy. Write that down, me equals misery, others equals joy. I've never met someone that was entirely focused on self that had joy. They had fleeting moments of happiness, but they were not overflowing with joy. Likewise, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's always truly thinking about others, 
not you know, doing something uh, to be seen or humble bragging, but truly thinking about others that was not full of joy. There's something powerful that God has created us for one another. And when we rejoice with one another, and yes, even when we weep with one another, because we do it together, the result of it is God brings joy out of it. This is what the church is for. And Christmas reminds us that joy is found in community. The whole idea behind these holy days that we've been talking about is that they're to be celebrated in community, that you celebrate them within your homes, with your family, but you also celebrate them uh, with the community, in our context, with the church. This is why the Grinch and the actual story of the Grinch was so miserable, right? He was isolated by his Grinchiness, and his Grinchiness kept him isolated, You ever met anybody like that? (laughs) See, the very thing that could cure him of his problem was the same thing that drove him nuts. People, others. And if you know the story, you know that when he eventually heard the singing, that he came into the community, was welcomed in the community, that God changed his life. But the Grinch of bitterness rises up this way in us. We get offended, maybe at church. Uh, relationships just become really difficult. And so as a result, we isolate ourselves because it's easier, it's safer. Or we interact, but it's always on a superficial level. We keep them at arm's distance because that's safer. But before we know it, the Grinch of bitterness rises up within. And we completely isolate, isolate us from those that God would use in our life to complete our healing. It's kind of like constantly picking at a scab. We keep that wound open and it never heals. That's what isolation does to us. And so sometimes what will cure you is to rejoice in a community of believers. I remember uh, just a few weeks ago, I think I mentioned this briefly, I met a homeless guy when we were out at the park with Steve ministering. And I said, dude, what's your story? They're usually willing to tell you their story. Why are you homeless? Why are you out here? This man's whole reason for being homeless was not drug addiction, alcohol addiction. It came down to, you know what? People suck. Sorry, you're not supposed to say that in church, right? People stink. And it was just easier for me to do life on my own. I was like, are you for real? He's like, yeah, you know, every once in a while I'll visit my mom. His mom actually said, you can come live with me. He would visit his mom, but he's like, man, I've been through too many terrible relationships. He looked at me and he's like, he's like, you married? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's not going to (laughs) last. And I was like, really? You think so, huh? He's like, how long you been married? I was like, 17 years, bro. It's awesome. It's going to last forever. And he's like, really? So I started telling him about that. I was like, you know what? The enemy may have used people to wound you but God wants to use people to heal you. Somebody in here needs to hear that today. You find yourself, you might even be here and you're like, see, I'm in community, but you're always at a distance. You're not willing to fully step in because guess what? Relationships are hard and messy. There is a chance that someone will hurt you, that someone will let you down. But God says, I have created others to be a part of your healing. Proverbs 27, 17, we quote this all the time in church, says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. The only way iron sharpens iron is if iron comes into contact with iron. And not only that, but the sharpening is the result of repeated friction in the same area over and over again over the course of time. Sometimes we miss out on the transformational work that God wants to do in our hearts because we pull away when we feel the friction. When God created community to work through that friction, through love and patience and understanding, we stay connected. Even when people fail us, even when they don't act like Jesus, even when they're hypocrites, We do everything we can. The Bible says, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he say, as far as, as, if someone offends you, just, it's better just to back off. 
Find another church, go run somewhere else. Why wouldn't he say that? Because he knows there's benefits that will come when through love and patience and understanding, we overcome the friction that the two will come out sharper. And oftentimes it's through that process of doing a hard life together that it results in joy. So just to recap this morning, we rejoice through meditation. We rejoice through singing. We rejoice in community. Father, right now, I just pray for those that are feeling emptied of joy today. Maybe they even see that their personality has changed. They become short with others. Maybe their fuse is shorter. Maybe they become more blunt and abrasive. Maybe they become a little bit more of a loner. Whether they're an introvert or an extrovert, God, they've gotten to the point where they've not recognized the value of community and relationship in their life. God, I pray that you would bring healing, that they would take the risk and they'd step out in faith to make the effort it takes to be connected in community. God, I pray for those that, man, their mind is just snowballing out of control with negativity, that they would take the initiative to say, I'm going to meditate on the things of God. I'm going to, there's things that God wants me to treasure and hold close to my heart. I want to dwell in these things. I want to give thanks for them. I want to rejoice in them. God, restore joy to their heart. God, for those that, man, they struggle to give their attention to any one thing. That's, That's how much anxiety they have. Lord, that maybe you would start by just letting a song rise up within their hearts, that they begin to praise you again through song and sing to you, and you would begin to transform their thinking and bring joy to their life again today. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're in the room today and you just say, you know what, I've lost a little bit of my joy, would you pray for me, Pastor? Would you just lift your hand up today? You say, "I I just need some prayer. I need to practice one of these three things. Amen, amen. See some hands. Anybody else? Amen. See that hand in the back? Another hand in the back? Praise God. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for those, God, that raised their hand. God, thank you for uh, showing them that they've lost some of their joy. Remind them, God. That's what this is all about, being reminded. Remind them of your goodness. Remind them of who they used to be, but, but also not to be held by their past, but remind them of who you're creating them to be and who you're transforming them to be, God. May they begin to rejoice again, to have hope for the future like we talked about last week. And may joys rise up with them again, Father, in Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed, every eyes closed still, Maybe you're here today and it's a miracle that you're even in church. (laughs) Maybe you're watching online and you don't even know why you tuned in. You just know you're searching for something. God has brought you here in this room or he's connected you online for this very purpose because he wants to bring you into his family. He desires to have community with you throughout eternity. But he also has a community for you right here right now. And you say this morning, I want to step into the community of God. I want to become a child of God. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want forgiveness from my sins. I want the eternal life that he promises. And I don't want to live life on my own anymore. I want to live my life for God with other believers. If that's you today, you want to receive Jesus today, would you just lift up your hand real quick so we can pray over you as well? Anybody? Amen. We're going to go ahead and pray that prayer of salvation for anyone that may be watching online. So I just want to invite the whole room. Would you repeat this prayer after me, please? Say, dear Father, thank you that you love me so much that I was created for you and that my sin separated me from you. And so you had to do something about it. You gave your son 
through the virgin, he died on a cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Holy Spirit, make your home in my heart. And Jesus, I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give God some praise? I want to invite you to stand up. And here's how we're going to close out our time together today. The team is going to lead us in a song about rejoicing. And I want you to stay here through the whole song. And we're going to sing this song one more time. And let's just practice rejoicing today. And then at the end, Manny's going to come up and close out the gathering for us today. Amen. Let's stand and sing today. Let's declare these words to the earth, to the world. to the world, right? Now we're going to have more joy tonight. Tonight, what we have tonight? Huh? We have a Christmas concert. What time? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. So for all those that don't know that we have a concert, you guys are welcome to come. Remember, it's joy, right? Why? Because you know what? 2,000 years ago, Earth experienced the biggest joy that God gave us. It's His Son. So we could do the little sacrifice and come tonight. 
if you have already plans, you could cancel that and come here yes, and man. rejoice, right? Amen. Next, we have Rooted. Woo! Are you guys excited? A new Rooted group starts January the 11th, Thursdays. If you haven't signed up, please sign up in our queue, bar queue, our queue there. There's a little metal thing there, funny looking thing, you know. At my age, if I were to look at that now, it's technology. You just look at it, scan it, and there's all the information. So you can scan that. And we have, what we have this Wednesday? Oh, come on. What we have this Wednesday? Come on. Pray all day. Wow. So if you haven't signed up, go and sign up. Pray Wednesday, 24 hours, right? Then we have December 17th, Sunday at 6 p.m. We have what? What? Oh, come on, guys. Wake up. Aren't you guys full of joy? Wake up. So we have Hayride. And oh, that's all that information. Now, please, before we leave, we need to put all our chairs here today, move our tables, and we want to do it with all the joy that we could have, right? And help. Oh, man. We want to see all the men. Raise, raise your hand. All the men right here. Raise your hand. Raise all the hand. Now, come on, guys. See, there's like... 15. So we don't want to see two doing it. We want to see 15 strong men doing it, right? So please help us with that. Let's stand up. Everybody, let's stand up. There's three ways that we could be part of this joy with our offering and tithes. And right now they're going to put it right there on the screen, our beautiful sign. One is our buckets are back there. And if in case they take the buckets, there's a little box over there that you could put it, your envelope. Yeah, that's if in case you forget that, you know, we put it there. Second, we do it. What? Yeah. On the app. Right? And third, we do it what? Mail it in. Mail it in. So don't forget that. Three ways to do it. Sometimes it's nice to remember because you know what? No matter what, we still forget. We got to, what? We do what? We still do that? Okay, so. Just remember three ways to do it. So let's bow our heads and pray. And tell our Father, thank you, Father. Thank you for being good. Thank you for giving us the joy 2,000 years ago. You came from heaven to earth to give us the biggest present, to give us the biggest offering for us to have the privilege to enter your heaven to enter your home, to enter your heart, to be with you for eternity. And in this moment, we ask, Father, to bless everybody that will give their tithes and offerings. Keep blessing them. And for those who can't, open the doors of heaven and bless them with a new job, bless them with money, bless them with food. Everybody be part of this joy of giving. That's what your word says. And your Bible says, and your word says, test me on this. So tomorrow, today, Father, we're asking, bless this offering for our neighborhood, for our families. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. That's it. Tonight, right? Good night. See you tonight.